I'm Jill Anderson. This is the Harvard EdCast. Educational ethicist Randall Kern is a professor at the University of Rochester, and he was reading a lot about children, concussions, and tackle football. The fact that high school football players can sustain 1,800 blows to the head a season, with nearly half suffering brain injury or cognitive impairment, raised alarms for Curran. Studying the question ethically, Curran challenges the usual belief holding parents responsible for the danger of football and charges that schools sponsoring football programs are the first line of responsibility. Curran says U.S. schools should eliminate football because it undermines the missions of schools to educate children. We spoke about the troubling statistics on brain injury and cognitive impairment among high school football players, why schools are ultimately responsible, and whether there are any benefits that outweigh the risk of football. To start, I asked Curran whether he even liked football. I don't hate football. No, I grew up playing football, though I grew up playing touch football. And it's what everybody in New Orleans who was a boy did. So I grew up with it. I grew up watching it. I don't hate football. Now that we know that, what made you tackle the issue of focusing on school's responsibility in particular? Yeah. Well, the truth is, I I mean, I was aware of the coverage of concussions. It was in reading uh, Steve Allman's book, Against Football, One Fan's Reluctant Manifesto, where I was introduced to some of the research on children and football. I'm an ethicist, and an education ethicist in particular, so I have an antenna for ethically sensitive issues connected with education, and it struck me in beginning to scour the research that this is being written about across a number of disciplines, the journals of sports medicine and sports and entertainment law, journals of neurotrauma, a variety of journals, but not education journals. And that struck me that that was pretty remarkable. And for many years, I taught classes in the ethics of education, where about half of it was on the ethics of school and academic administration. So it was exactly the kind of issue which I would have discussed in my class, where I would have led practicing administrators in trying to recognize an ethical challenge when it was staring them in the face but where it might not be recognized by anyone as as an ethical problem or an ethical issue. That's so interesting. Why do you think this wasn't being explored as an educational issue? I don't know. My limited experience around school boards is that there's a great sensitivity to the possible impact on budget votes of um, not having the support of parents whose primary focus of involvement with schools is around athletics. That's the only guess I have. I mean, since publishing the piece, I've been contacted by people who were former coaches and school administrators who told me that they, they wish they'd known what I'd written about back when they were in charge when they had the decisions to make. Why is it the school's responsibility and not 
parent or a student who chooses to participate and tackle football or signs their child up for the sport? Well, I mean, parents certainly have responsibility, but the fact of having children entrusted to your care, which is the situation of educators and educational leaders, is that you're working within a context where you have obligations which are custodial obligations to children. Uh, Parents turn over their children to the care of, of educators, and there's a direct line of trust from parents to educators. And I think anyone who is versed in the law of public education is familiar with all of the processes for getting consent for things that might be hazardous. But the argument that we've made in the paper is that with football, with tackle football programs, you have the school engaged in sponsoring an activity which is now legally, in some cases, is being argued to be an ultra-hazardous activity. That's a well-defined legal concept of an activity that is so intrinsically hazardous that it rises to a, a very high level of potential liability. There's simply the responsibilities that educators have, educational leaders have, which are not responsibilities that are nullified by student or parental consent. They're, they're sponsoring an activity which, given this current state of the, of the research, of the evidence, is an activity which is harming a very significant percentage of players. I think from the point of view of articulating the relevant ethical principles, the most obvious first principle for us is associated with something that most people don't think about. So the evidence we have is that linemen in particular are sustaining about 1,800 blows to the head each football season, that about half of the linemen are suffering ongoing traumatic brain injury sufficient to cause cognitive impairment, cognitive impairment that would interfere with the student's learning. So you're looking at over a million high school football players. If you can project the numbers, that would be about a quarter of a million high school players who are impaired in trying to engage in the learning, which it is the school's job to engage them in. So you have the school sponsoring an activity where they have good reason to know now that it's directly undermining the fundamental mission of their schools. So one principle is schools should not be sponsoring an activity that causes a significant number of students cognitive impairment. Another relevant principle is they shouldn't be sponsoring an activity which directly undermines their basic educational mission. Right. So when I hear some of those numbers that you mentioned and that are in the paper about Mm -hmm. high school football players sustaining 1,800 blows to the head each season, and I think 25% suffer cognitive impairment. Hearing that just seems crazy. And why do you think this is still happening in schools and on school grounds? Why is it happening? Well, a lot of people love football, and it's (laughs) hard for those of us who love football to come to terms to fully absorb the significance of the information. 
human beings are limited in our ability to fully absorb and process this information. We experience highly emotionalized conflict about it, and we typically go into denial. And so there are many things that people will say, and one is, oh, yes, but there are these countervailing educational benefits of playing football. You know, it's the wonderful vehicle for character education. Or they focus on students who, and maybe especially students, they think may not have great opportunities, and they say, look, the kids really want to play because it's their one shot at fame and fortune, you know, making it into the NFL. So I think there are a number of counter-arguments that people tend to gravitate to. So part of our job in the paper was to try to examine those counter-arguments. On character education, well, what's the actual evidence that we have? We do have some large-scale studies. We know that involving students in certain kinds of group activities does indeed promote moral maturity. We know that theater and music programs and public service learning programs uh, do have some benefits in character education. Participation in sports, it might. We don't have evidence given the kinds of measures of character development we currently have. We actually don't have any solid evidence. We'd also have to worry that even if tackle football programs did have positive benefits in character development, it would be a horribly inefficient way of going about it. These are expensive programs for a few students. Surely, if athletics does have educational benefits, well, less expensive club sports for all students that are safe for the brain would be, would be the logical alternative. Sports that are not causing impairment of working memory and the ability to make sound decisions, which we, we know there's an issue there with football and most other sports that wouldn't be the case. So that argument, I think many people fixate on, but it's not a strong argument. What about the, the prospects of students going pro? Of the million-plus high school students, about 250 of them will ultimately be recruited into the NFL. 250 out of a million compared with 250,000 who we have reason to think will suffer cognitive impairment. That's a 1,000 times greater odds of being impaired than of having a pro career of any duration. Those are horrible odds. Yeah, those are really tough numbers to hear. Yeah. Football is so ingrained in the American community and the youth mm. experience. Really, what has been the reaction to the research? Because it sounds like the coaches that you heard from were happy about it, but I'm wondering if that's the case across the board. Well, from the studies we've seen, there are schools, including school districts that have been ardently supporting football, which have shut down their programs. So that's one thing. I mean, some, some schools have responded to the evidence by saying, okay, it's time to get out of this. There are students and parents who are also changing their minds about it. I mean, there has been about a 10% decline in participation in school football programs by students. So I think there's definitely has been elevated concern, 
but it has been focused on concern about concussions, I think, which is a very good thing to be concerned about. For concussions that result in, in hospitalization, you're looking at about $150,000 a year in the total costs of treating the traumatic brain injury when there are concussions that rise to that level. And the estimate, I think, in the aggregate for sports-related concussions is over $76 billion a year in total costs. So people are aware of that, and I think they're much more concerned about their children getting concussions. I think the research about the cognitive impact, the impact on school performance, and then the consequent damage to long-term career prospects, that research is less widely known. I do think that's part of the larger picture. Even in a film like Concussion, there is footage in the film which is focused on the brain damage that does not involve concussions, but the title of the film, the overall feel of the film, is that it's concussions you should worry about. To that extent, that was, I think, distracting people from what we think is the wider, less conspicuous problem of the incompatibility of combining in one building uh, learning and healthy cognitive development with the sport that inherently involves heads being battered. How can schools realistically approach this issue of sports? Because it probably just isn't football, right? At the end of the day, some other sports might have the same type of issues. There might. I mean, I think at this point, we know a lot more about football. We have much more of the researches on football. There's some research on hockey. There's some on on soccer, you know, we have studies where they're looking at instantaneous or short-term impact on cognition after students have hit headers. They've done quick cognitive tests. So we, we know that there are at least short-term cognitive impacts of headers in soccer. We don't have the kinds of studies we do for football that's tracking the ongoing cognitive decline over the course of a season. Here's the difference from our point of view. Football was the sensible place to start because the hits to the head are so numerous and they're so integral to the game. They're not accidents. The blows to the head are incurred when players are doing exactly what the coaches tell them to do. And for a roughly half of the players on each team, it's constant hitting of the head. So it is a true collision sport where the head is involved in routine collisions. I don't think that's the case with other sports. The helmet, frankly, is part of the problem. You would never dream of bashing your head without the helmet. You couldn't do it. You couldn't endure the pain. You'd suffer skull fractures. You put the helmet on and you can have a sport designed to where you're using your head as a battering ram and that makes it possible to cause more brain damage. That I think is unique to football. There may be problems with other sports but the evidence we have now points to football 
being uniquely worrisome. Well, I'm sure not a lot of people are going to be happy to hear that, but it's good that this research is being done. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Randall Kern is a professor at the University of Rochester. You can read his essay, Friday Night Lights Out, The End of Football in Schools, in the summer issue of the Harvard Educational Review. I'm Jill Anderson. This is the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thanks for listening.